Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. It's been a while, but I'm back. Uh, I'm going to do some episodes here uh, from this kind of self-isolating quarantining uh, that we've got going on right now with COVID-19. So we'll be back with some new episodes now. So took some time off. Uh, still trying to grasp uh, what this whole COVID-19 situation is, is looking like, even for me. In the grand scheme of it, it hasn't really been that long, but it seems like it's been forever. And I think that it was one of the longest months of my life. Like, and it hasn't even been a month. Like, that's the craziest part right now. Like, in the grand scheme of it, yeah, there's been a certain amount of social, you know, and all of that. But... Uh, it, I think, yeah, we were on a month. Sorry. Yeah. We are a month today. Today's one month. I was reading the, uh, calendar wrong. Yeah. Sorry. It's one month today since, uh, I had made the decision myself, uh, to truly enter self-isolation, um, and, uh, quarantining protocols and social distancing protocols. So yeah, it's been a long month and, uh, we're going to talk about that in another episode. Um, kind of dive a little deeper into um, how this affected me and maybe it already at the start of this episode has gotten to me a little bit but uh, nonetheless uh, a lot has been happening in our world around us but I want to keep things positive maybe distract us from some of that Uh, let's talk a little poker today Uh, so I want to focus today's episode I'm talking about poker uh, what's going on in poker uh, some of the big storylines in poker and uh, just some updates uh, to the summer poker season uh, so let's dive right into it. Uh, the biggest thing and most exciting thing probably going on in the poker world right now was the Galfon Challenge. It was an online challenge that Phil Galfon himself issued out to uh, high-stake uh, pros or regs, whatever uh, they want to be called. Um, and I say that because at the high roller level, you can get some semi-pros in there that just, you know, these are successful people, hyper-successful people in their own right that choose to play at the highest level of poker. You know, whether they're great at it or whatever, the best, like they're still playing high stakes and there's something to be said for that. So, and there's, there's skill to play poker and be competitive and do well at it. Like all of these guys have outstanding levels of skill. I think that's the biggest misconception I feel um, when it comes to poker and to be taken like any other endeavor or sport is it's very easy to kind of be like, oh yeah, that guy isn't so good or whatever, but still understand that there's a tremendous, tremendous leap in in, in skill um, between that, those truly upper echelon, highest level players um, versus kind of your average, you know, I play once in a while or, I, or once in a while or I, or I know a little bit about poker type players. Um, there's something big to be understood there, I, I think, and, and to be appreciated. Uh, when we talk about, um, you know, professional poker players. So Galfon issued out this challenge to high, um, for a high-stakes heads-up challenge. Uh, drew a lot of compare. Well, it drew some talk of of um, the Durr challenge from way back in the day where Tom Dwan had issued out a heads-up challenge. Uh, so one of the big things we're probably going to take up a lot of the episode is explaining kind of how, you know, maybe why these challenges arise, why they're structured the way they are, uh, break that down a little bit, and truly understanding how you know how it isn't as simple as somebody might think to issue a true heads up challenge but nonetheless Galpon issued out uh, this series of heads up 
uh, high stakes pot limit Omaha challenges. And um, basically through the first third of the challenge, just trying to see here when he had reached his all time low. Yeah. So by February, so they started the challenge end of January. All right. And I think it was in that first session, uh, Phil Galfon was down uh, 72 grand. Like it was a bit, it was a big one. Um, then it was just, you know, kind of semi disastrous, disastrous, disastrous. And then long story short, ended up at one point early in the challenge, uh, after 659 hands. So that's fucked up. So after 659 hands on February 9th, he was down, uh, 900 euros to this challenger Veni Vidi. Um, from, I don't know where, I don't know much about this, um, player. I've never heard of them. Um, I think there's a lot as to who this person might actually be. Um, but nonetheless stepped up to play online heads up high stakes marathon heads up challenge and was up 900 euros. And there's a lot of narrative back then going into that. And that was probably around when I kind of slowed down my podcast and realized you're kind of gearing up for this COVID. That's when COVID started to really be a rumbling, right? It started to get on the news. Um, but nonetheless, um, Phil Galfond down early uh, in this challenge. And the challenge is uh, 25,000 hands of 100, 200 pot limit Omaha um, and it's a challenge for 25,000 hands. So not really a stop loss measure, just a true, like we have to play out 25,000 hands. Um, and then there was a side bet too. Um, so if, I think it was like if Veni Vidi did actually end up winning the challenge, he'd get paid odds on it. So uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Galfond down early, a lot of talk of, you know, Phil doesn't have it anymore. Did he ever have it? All these narratives out there. Which is a shame because Phil Galfond is a multiple time WSOP bracelet winner. Um, having as someone who plays WSOP events, you know, semi regularly, uh, in, in you know, in in the summer series, and as I've said, everybody's summer series is different, and summer season is different. And I, I like to consider myself someone who kind of comes in and out of the WSOP events. I don't play all of them. I don't exclusively play WSOP events. Uh, that's just not. For me, um, maybe if things changed, whatever. But where I'm at right now, my career and all of that is just like, yeah, you know what? I like to play the variety because I'm very particular um, about the games. Like, I'd rather play a game I like. I played a lot of poker in my life. I want to be very clear about that. So for me now, it you know you, you kind of have to worry about fatigue and 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 burnout, and so you keep it fresh, right? You play other games. So for me, uh, I, I'm more specific and or picky about the games I'm playing, and therefore I will play, you know, the games I like to play at the variety of venues versus just sticking out and playing this series, this exclusive series of events. And I've kind of always played it that way, looked for good value on events. Uh, maybe there's events that I particularly, even if it's in no limit hold'em, but just like feel like okay, I have a bit of an edge in that style of um, structure. I, I jump into those ones. So I try to do a little bit of that, but. Um, I can tell you this, WSOP bracelets are not easy to win, no matter how many events you're playing in a summer. Um, cause there are guys that play the full schedule and don't win bracelets. Um, Daniel Legrand, who hasn't won a bracelet in years, like years, multiple years. Um, 
Uh, let's put it this way. Since I have been playing, since I've played my very first WSOP event, I believe this is a correct, I, I, I truly, I think it's a, this accurate. I have won the exact same number of WSOP bracelets as Daniel Negreanu, and I believe Phil Ivey was also done winning bracelets around that time, but I could be wrong. I think he might have won his last bracelet. No. I don't think so, actually. I do not think, no. Phil Ivey was not winning bracelets that year. I do not believe he did. So, yeah. Um, Daniel Negreanu, myself, the difference is they had won bracelets before I did. And they have a lot more. And a lot, you know, their resumes of the WSOP are amongst the elite. Uh, that's why they are in the Poker Hall of Fame. Um, so I'm not saying, no, I'm at Daniel Negreanu and Phil Ivey's level of accomplishment. But I'm just saying, like, that's how difficult it is. That these, like, Phil Ivey has 10 WSOP bracelets. Um, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, so to, to, when you, when you think about that, um, to be a multiple time bracelet winner is truly an accomplishment in the poker world. Phil Galfond is that he is a multiple time WSOP bracelet winner. Uh, no if, ands, or buts. That is the truth about it. So there, there is some credibility. He's always been a highly regarded online player. Um, and now in today's day and age when these solvers and bots kind of get in the way, like I can see where the draw to the higher stakes is if you're at that level of play. Um, I have my own opinions on using solvers and things like that. I think it's a little ridiculous. And that's kind of where my draw away from online poker has always been is that as people were kind of using externalities to just compete you know, person to person, I, I didn't like that. Um, and it's not that I fear the solvers. Um, I've studied the solvers. I, I've studied the math. I've studied the range. There's all of these things. Like, it's not like I'm just speaking as, oh, some guy who hopes to do well. And, you know, if people, no, no, no. I just, I don't let it dictate um, every play I make. Uh, and if you hear a lot of the great players, like Phil Galfon himself talked about that. Like, at a certain point, that solver is just another weapon. It's just another weapon in the tools. Uh, or just another tool kind of in the shed. Like, that's just... It's as you build yourself as an overall player, you know, and you can't just be a fabulous skater and be an NHL caliber hockey player. There's more that goes into it. Um, so there, there's a deeper level of understanding and all of that. But anyway, uh, nonetheless, Galphone was down early. There's a lot of talk of, oh my God, does he have it? And, and back down, like just say, okay, fuck this. Maybe I got in over my head here. And, you know, forfeit the rest of the challenge, take his 900,000 euro loss, and uh, ride off into the sunset. Now, of course, this is being run on his site, Run It Once Poker. Um, and I, it's part of a promotional kind of effort, in a way, um, to do this. The cool thing is, is these Galfon challenges now, um, to kind of fast forward just to rewind, could give us some kind of little bit of connection to poker that isn't what we are currently playing online or at home or wherever. Um, but so that's, it, it is going to give us something to kind of follow, I think, for the next little while. And as more of these challenges kind of roll out, it'll be interesting because he can probably get through them. I mean, of course, depending on burnout and all of those things. But I mean, as long as we're, while we're quarantined, you know, why not try to get as many of these done as possible? So, yeah, uh, Phil Galfond uh, doing it through Run It Once, trying to draw some attention to his site. Um, so I get it. So it's a bit of a marketing um, tool. Comes back. He says, you know what? I'm paying a penalty. Uh, they And I mean, these, this challenge was so specific that it was like, hey, we've got like, there's set amounts of hours we have to play. Um, you can only take X amount of days off. Like it was very specific, the structure of the challenge. And I'm a big fan of that. I like structure, especially in competition. I believe you should know every kind of 
possible event and then try to compete within that. Like you need to know every every iteration of the conditions in which you are competing. That is very important. So structure and having something so well structured and penalties in place and whatever, I like it. Um, the other thing I hate about online poker too, sorry to digress again, is there's always that worry about players kind of playing together, uh, whether they are all located in the same house, um, same room, whatever it might be, or they just have a friend, right? There's three of them at the computer. There's always that too. It's, it's less one-to-one -one competition as well. And uh, that's something that I've always kind of, you know, just not liked, not appreciated about online poker. And I mean, and it's a tool too, right? Because even when you're kind of learning yourself, you are bringing in better minds. So it's a weird kind of conundrum. Um, and that's why I think I've always respected and been drawn to the live game is it's like, there's no hiding behind the screen now. Uh, and that's why I've always felt like tr the truest forms of poker are played live. Um, and there are some, and that's not to discredit the online wizards. Like there are some high level online geniuses um, that are playing poker. And I'm not trying to discredit the work they do. Just from me and my experience and my take on the game, I, uh, I, I do believe that there's always a special place for being a great live poker player. Being in that high pressure situation and being like, yep, yeah, I've put in the work to come and compete. You know, I, I, I always feel like there's that extra level to it and uh, why I've always been drawn to the live game and why I've found uh, typically and historically the online game to just kind of be a little more monotonous and uh, just uh, so many things. But I don't want to sit here and, 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 and piss on online poker because I've been playing a lot of poker myself lately. I'm um, doing quite well, so uh, knock on wood there. Um, but I've uh, really been learning a lot. It's been, uh, for me, it's kind of going back and, and, and restudying, putting in some more study work is, is how I kind of look at my online time right now is, is it's putting that time in so when I return to the felt, I'm that much better is how I've looked at. I've always looked at as online poker as more of a study tool, an aid tool to develop new strategies, to learn things uh, more so than a way, like than the, my main competition avenue. And it's kind of like even playing online, and I don't know how everybody feels about it. It's kind of like, is like practice to winning a big event live and in person, you know, where that pressure, the lights, the people, everything is on you. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, they had structure to this challenge. So uh, Galfon, I guess, paid a penalty, took some time off, came back a month later, and started kind of the comeback. Had a good session right off the bat. Um, yeah, his first session was a win, was almost a 200,000 win. Then he kind of had a bit of a, it was kind of back and forth. And then he kind of took off a little bit, uh, won a bunch of sessions in a row, then took a big hit um, uh, on March 11th was a losing. It was a fairly big losing session, 88,000. Um, and then just kind of the rest of the way, it was just the Phil Galfon show, um, all the way to kind of bring it even. And then it kind of fallen behind towards the end of the challenge, um, losing a big day on April 9th and, uh, 7th. Um, but I'd taken on a big one on April 6th. But problem is, is like, remember at that point, he's so far behind that he needs those big sessions to kind of keep up and, and to try to break even at that point. So he was breaking even there. Um, and then Vinny Vitti kind of was like, all right, took over a little bit. Um, and that's the problem too, with keeping that momentum going, you know, if you're winning for so long, you know, is keeping that momentum going, especially with Vinny Vitti because he's up, right? It's, it, that's why they always say you want to develop, you always want to be building on your lead and building a lead. You don't want to be behind the lead. 
Um, you want to, you do try to acquire chips and in hockey, any sport you want to be in ahead and go in hockey, you try to score more goals than your opponents before they score more goals. Right? So it, it's just kind of the same thing in football, right? You want to be getting scores on your drives, field goals, touchdowns, whatever it is. You don't want to be coming from behind. You want to be ahead. So being ahead here was proving to be like, all right, Vinny Vitti, you know, this ended up being a much closer match, but he's going to get it done. Long story short, Galfon came from behind in the end taking down the final session and ending it after 25,001 hands up $1,600. Um, just goes to show like, so there's a lot of things to be taken away here that we can, that I want to discuss, but uh, crazy outcome. So Phil Galfond did get it done. Um, and, and here's the thing about this. Um, I can, I'm, I'm excited that things like this are happening and, um, and are bringing eyes to the game. I'm happy that the challenge was a success. Um, I've got nothing against Phil Galfond. Super nice guy from my experiences. Uh, so, and and generally just kind of, uh, you know, liked by his peers um, for whatever that's worth. Um, Phil did take it down. He came from behind, did it. Um, and I don't think, and I think the thing to um, to take away or some of the things to take away are kind of variants, right? He fell so far behind, but if you think about it, then he was the more consistent player moving forward after that big loss. And I mean, it just goes to show a variance in cards, but B in the grand scheme of it, after playing that many fucking hands and, and that high of stakes, how close it really can be at the top. You know, that's, I think, a big thing to be taken away. 1600 buck profit playing 100, 200 pot limit Omaha is nothing. That's basically being plus one hand. Like, that's how crazy close it is at that highest level. That after 25,000 hands, after one guy getting a lead, one guy coming back and then taking over the lead, back and forth play, back and forth competition at that level is fucking one hand one fucking hand was the difference like that is that's crazy to me um that's a big huge takeaway there and again i don't even know who this Venny vd person is i think i mean fuck that would have been an interesting story if that's the like you know however it is who this Venny vd person is I, I mean, I'd love to cover that story. That's something I'd love to dig deeper into and, and explore is who is Venny Vitti um, and dig a little deeper uh, into that. But Venny Vitti, uh, I've got nothing against him. Why can't he beat Phil Galfond? You know, as, as if you look at Galfond kind of like as the champ in this situation, sure, there's nothing wrong with the fucking champ winning. That's why they're the champ. Why can't they win? Why isn't it their right to dominate? Sure. You know, it becomes you know, uh, a bit stale after a while, but why not? If you're putting in the work, you're staying on top of your game, you got the throne, defend your throne. I like it. Phil Galfon wins. But if Venny Vitti comes in, takes one from the champ, comes in and is just like, hey, it's my fucking time. At some point, we have to remember all of these guys, the Phil Galfons, the Sean Deebs, the Daniel Negrange, the Phil Ivies, the Phil Helmuth, at some point in their career, took a stand and said, hey, it's my fucking time now. It was, they went from the Benny Vidi position to the, guess what? Now it's, I'm the name. I'm the name brand. 
right? And I think it's like Phil Ivey set the record to a fastest time, so least amount of time to go from bracelet one to 10. Um, and that becomes kind of the current measurement um, because only one person has more than 10 bracelets, and that's uh, Phil Helmuth. Uh, but with four of them having gotten to the 10 or more um, number, you can kind of look at that. And I mean, now that five is becoming kind of a new sweet spot, like now there's kind of a, an emergence of players that have gotten to five and six bracelets. Like there was a time like a few years ago, getting to six bracelets was like, that's a fucking accomplishment. And not saying that it isn't. Don't get me wrong. Not saying that it isn't. Um, but as the WSOP has evolved, um, we have found that... Um, there are routes to take to acquiring bracelets in the right situations, um, but we can we'll talk about. That. I, I've digressed yet again, but anyway, that's what happens when you're stuck and, and you're not podcasting or anything, and uh, just I mean, trying to establish a brand new kind of almost life routine during this, it's crazy. Uh, but uh, yeah, so you have the guy that decides, fuck it, it's my time. I'm good with that story too. So it's not like I had a preference storyline wise, and I wasn't like avidly against one or ultra pro four. So that's why I thought this was such a good one to have right off the bat. Um, as we go into the rest of the challenges, um, we can see that there's a name brand element to it. So this next one that's currently ongoing is between Phil Galfon and Bill Perkins. Uh, again, 100, 200 PLO. Um, the duration of the challenge though is interesting. So it's set for more hands, set for 50,000 hands. So double the amount of hands. Um, or a $400,000, um, um, stop loss. Oh, so this one's in, I guess, US dollars. The other one was in euros. Fuck, that's crazy. Um, with a side bet of $1 million from Galfon to two fifty uh, for Bill Perkins. So I guess Galfon's giving him odds. Like, fuck, I can beat you. So pretty crazy. Uh, but nonetheless... Uh, we got a situation. That's the next one. So even there, Bill Perkins is a is a is a well known name. Um, he's a well known face in the poker community. Hedge fund manager, I believe. Uber successful guy. Uber successful guy. Like those are the people you kind of in a way want at your table, even if you're just there for a fucking experience at the WSP. Those are the people you want at your table. You want the Bill Perkins. You know, you want the Galfons. You want the Scott Sievers. You want. Um, the people that you're going to learn something from. You know, at some point, you're going to have to get past them. And even if you're not going to get past them, at least you can get something from it. You know, you'd rather, like people always think, oh, I'd rather have the softer players, the easier players, whatever, when you're kind of going en route uh, to, through a tournament. But in the grand scheme of it, it's like, well, wait a second. At some point, you're going to have to face the cream of the crop. Like you have to go through a top level player at some point. You know, as those fields converge, you have to do it. Um, the more exposure you can have to them, the better you are, in my opinion. But nonetheless, when it comes to this, um, yeah, you have a name brand element. So Bill Perkins is a name brand player. Um, I don't think he's at Phil Galfon's level per se, but again, you never know. Uh, then after that, it's Chance Corneth, who I who's been doing well on those um, high roller bowl um, events. Uh, so that's been kind of interesting as well uh, there. And that's something I got into too as well as watching uh, poker again. I was watching poker a couple of weeks ago. Um, probably going to get into that again over the next little bit. 
um, doing the poker. Because uh, I can do that and go on, like, I, I had to order an elliptical machine. I was missing not getting in that cardio work. I'm doing a lot of strength training, but not as much cardio, and I've missed it. So got myself the elliptical. So now I can uh, do the Chromecast, watch the uh, poker, and do my uh, elliptical uh, three days. So watch and see, people. Speedo body ready. Uh, anyway. Uh, yes, after Bill Perkins' chance, Corneth, 100, 200 euros, uh, 35,000 hands. Uh, chance Corneth uh, is, a, again, a, an emerging kind of name. I guess some people who play the circuit a little more or whatever might know him a little better, but he's a name brand in uh, the high roller scene for sure. Uh, then is probably one of the most interesting ones. Uh, this one is going to, in my opinion, is going to be the one to fucking watch. This one is going to have the fireworks. It's 100, 200 euro pot limit Omaha, seven, seven and a half thousand hand duration between Phil Galfond and none other than Daniel Jungleman Cates. Uh, now here's the crazy thing is Jungleman's a character first and foremost, uh, just one of the true characters of poker. I want to be very clear about that. Uh, when I consider myself kind of a character of the poker scene, Jungle Man's a character as well. Um, and <laughs> Jungle Man, and I'm not saying we're the same people. I'm not saying we're the same type of people or anything like that. I'm just saying like he's a personality. Um, he is a personality uh, when it comes to uh, just, 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 just what jungle man brings to the poker community was big for was uh doing a lot of live stuff plays a lot of online plays in those like nosebleed games uh overseas um but a hell of a fucking player like don't kid yourself he puts in the hours and he shows up like he played the he cashed he final fucking tabled the poker players championship this year i believe um and was the guy i believe that put the beating on ivy um i have to rewatch those last two days um of the poker players championship and uh to me that's that's a that's a really exciting event uh but nonetheless uh daniel jungleman cates can play um and in all honesty i'm not sure that he's an underdog against phil galfond at all um hence why they're the side bet is as they put it here to be determined that's uh, accurate that's accurate as hell um i don't uh, i could not yeah I don't know. I'd love to have Token Tony and uh, Aaron from Vegas Squares. Uh, I should, you know what? I should call them up and have them on the podcast this week um, to talk about things like this. Maybe handicapping. They know they know sports betting and handicapping and odds a lot better than I do when it comes to that stuff. I, I never got into it, um, which is shocking. Being such a mathematical person and such kind of a you know a bit of a dork and into weird shit. Um, I'm shocked I never got into it. So maybe that is something I, I take up in my free time as well, uh, here, um, through fucking quarantining. But, um, I, I'd love to get their thoughts on the, the Galfon Jungleman and how you would kind of do that and maybe in poker look at this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that hand hasn't been played yet, but that's going to be the fucking one. I'm, I, I'm going to watch that on Twitch for sure. Um, and I'm not, I, I don't know how big I am on Twitch, like in terms of like watching it. Um, and stuff like that. I, I just don't know how I feel about it yet. Uh, I, I watched uh, the last series there against Galfon, like the last stretch, like that last hour or so. Uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty cool, but it, it was just kind of weird because there's all the comments coming up on the side. And it's very easy to get distracted and stuff, but maybe there's ways to lay it out better. I don't know. Um, it was my first time using it, so I, I just, it hasn't grown on me yet. Um, but nonetheless, um, 
His next one is against some player action freak. Uh, I'm not sure who that is or what the story is there, but that's going to be a big game. That's 150, 300 pot limit, uh, Euro pot limit Omaha, 15K hand duration. Um, and the side bet is dead fucking even. 150 Euro to 150 Euro. So a bonus for fucking winning there. Um, and then another one to uh, cool one is Brandon Adams. Um, now I'm not totally sure what his story is, but I believe Brandon Adams did um, actually get his first WSOP bracelet in an online event this past summer. Um, regular on the high roller scene. Not sure what his credit. I think it's kind of like a Bill Perkins type situation where he is successful outside of poker and has translated it um, to playing high roller events or whatever it might be. Uh, and nonetheless, I, I, I am pretty sure Brandon Adams is now a WSOP bracelet winner. And I think it was in an online event this summer, uh, an online high roller even, but, uh, nonetheless, uh, $100, $200 pot limit Omaha. The duration is an hour's duration. So 40 hours. And, uh, that'll be interesting as well. Um, and again, the side bet here is kind of interesting too. 150 from Galfon to 100 from Brandon Adams. So that's why I got to look up. And, and figure out what's going on there with Brandon Adams a little bit because uh, Brandon Adams, uh, to get that kind of side bet with Phil Galfond, uh, must um, show uh, a huge respect for his abilities and skills. So he might be somebody who's so good at poker but is also happens to be successful in other avenues of his life. So good for him. Uh, but interesting stuff. So that's going to be something really interesting, I think, to follow here kind of through the summer and into quarantining, especially as we don't even know how the summer schedule is going to look. Uh, a lot of events have either been postponed um, already um, or tentatively planning on postponing. Like they're saying like probably postponed, might be postponed. Uh, but uh, going down here, we have like the win uh, signature series from uh, April 20th to May 6th canceled. And that was canceled a while ago. Just fucking done. That's just not even happening. Um, Venetian Deep Stack is going to be an interesting one. There's the Venetian Deep Stack Championship is going to be starting. That's the uh, first. So those Venetian Deep Stack Championship events run the gamut of the summer. They start, I believe, and they have been for the last little while, either right on par with the WSOP or just before. Now it's like a full month head start on the WSOP um, starting May 4th, and they go later. Uh, so that will run until July 26th, um, potentially postponed. The interesting thing there is the Venetian runs the event. They also have the facilities for the event. So unless they have bookings and convention bookings in that space, they have a little bit of flexibility in terms of uh, moving it or uh, rearranging it, how they might need to be. So that one's an interesting one that they put potentially postponed. Um, also, when you have that long of a series running, you do have the luxury of saying, yeah, we could chop a little bit off the top here and still be fine. So that's the next big one. Um, then you kind of get into the um, the rest that have been announced so far for the summer. Uh, and, some that, and we'll get into some that are interestingly haven't been announced or that I haven't found any information on yet. Um, the World Series of Poker is set to run from May 26th to July 15th. No announcement yet there. The Aria Super High Roller, uh, or Summer High Roller Series, rather, um, which is kind of like daily and weekly, like 10K and 25K events. It gets a lot of those guys, um, those big name kind of pros that you see playing in these higher stake uh, cash games. Um, that's where you'll see them a lot. Uh, so if you kind of want to go and uh, be like, oh my God, see some players you recognize and in an easy place to find them. 
Uh, it can be at Aria uh, in the summer. Uh, everybody likes playing at Aria. Aria is a super nice room. Not gonna lie. Aria, in terms of just aesthetics and just feel, fuck yeah, you feel, you feel like you're in the show when you're playing at Aria, for sure. And I don't know what it is, but for me, it's weird. I don't regularly play there, but I do feel like, I feel like it's like a bigger game when I'm playing at Aria. Like even in tournaments, it just feels like more occasion to be playing at Aria. So they have, they've done something well, and it's a very nice hotel and casino. Not, I can't say a bad thing about Aria. Um, even when I've had bad experiences there, they find ways in which they can make up for it. Um, just a beautiful place, nice place, great staff, all of that. All the wonderful stuff. Like they'll right a wrong for you, for sure. Um, and great pool, great everything. Just fucking love Aria. Aria, that's a big plug. Love you guys. Um, and I've stayed there, so it's not like I'm talking out of my ass. Like, let's be clear on that too. I don't, I'm not ass talking right now. Like, I've stayed at fucking Aria. So, it's, um, this is an ass talk. This is like, this is straight up. Um, the other side of this would be the Orleans Summer Series, which has grown drastically over the last, um, couple of years. Um, really blossomed into something. That's going to be running from May 26th to July 8th. Um, and I, you can go to the Orleans um, website and find all the information there. Um, they've got some interesting games that they're running there this year. Uh, like they have a Dramaha mix game, uh, which I was looking up. I'm like, ah, that seems a little too like played at the ca like cabin style poker card games. Um, but nonetheless, awesome place. I love the Orleans as well. Uh, it's off the strip. So it's one of those off the strip ones. And uh, the Golden Nugget, their grand poker series has also been announced too from May 26th to July 6th. None of those have said anything about um, when they're, they're going to cancel, postpone, or whatever um, their uh, tournament series. Here's an interesting... So, um, and I guess it's, it, because it's the end of May, we're still waiting to see. Um, with all this talk now of, of the president down in the States wanting to reopen the economy um, and keeping my personal beliefs on whether I think it's too early or not, this is not the place for that on today's episode, um, there's, t there's a way that it might still be a little premature to cancel that far out. Um, and that's why you're not seeing that yet. But interestingly enough, you have not seen final schedules from some of the other regulars on that kind of summer series. Um, the Aria Classic has yet to announce their um, schedule, or as far as I've seen, I have not seen it anywhere. Um, so I, I, maybe I can do some Google research and update you guys there on the podcast later. Um, the other one too is uh, Aria. Oh, um, famous um, Planet Hollywood. The famous Goliath has not been announced. They've they've put out tentative schedule, like they put out drafts of a schedule on their Twitter, and I think just one draft so far. Um, and I, I should check their Twitter again. I have not checked it in a little while here. Um, as I said, the days are starting to fucking mesh together, guys. It's, it's crazy out there. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, Famous Goliath has not put out a finalized schedule as far as I know yet. Um, nor has Binions. Um, and Binions is, I mean, probably the most historical spot or one of, uh, in terms of eggs. Now it's funny because in 30, 40 years from now, you know, when I imagine, like, I would have kids that would be at WSOP ages and I'm telling them my kind of story, the interesting thing and fucked up thing is that it's like history is going to be so far changed even by that point. Like, I can just imagine what we're going to be – the story is going to be about the Rio, right? Like, is the Rio, like, going to be around then? Or, like, how's it going to look? Um, so that's going to be crazy, right, is when places like that get involved. Um, but anyway – 
Uh, that's so far away. I don't want to jump ahead that far, but nonetheless, still something cool to think about. So those are places that have not announced their poker schedules just yet. Um, and I think the Bellagio Five Diamond has already been announced because uh, that usually takes place in July. So let me just take a look here. Uh, Atlanta. Oh yeah, the Borgata Summer Series. Well, of course, they're not going to even talk about that yet. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything for the Bellagio. They usually have a a, a midder, a, well, midder. Wow, I can't believe I uh, went there. Um, a more mid to higher stake tournament series. It's it's not. It is a, a level above what you would see. It's kind of like it reminds me a little more of more traditional WSOP style um, tournament structure and 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 tournament buy-in structure at least. Like it's just. It's a little more like the tournaments start at a higher price point. Like they start at about $1,000. And then you have like 10Ks and 25Ks. You have 1500s. You have 2000 Like it's for a more serious level of player um, for sure. Um, and you do see here some people like I've heard people like play the play in your local like playing the local casinos and stuff like even up here in Canada and variety of places that say yeah like they save up and they you know they take a portion of the bankroll and go and play a sixteen hundred down at the Bellagio so like it's it's a nice venue you get to go stay at the you know you make a little location of it but yeah you do what you want to do poker is for you what it is and that's that uh, I have no right nobody has any right to tell you what poker needs to be for you you make it what you want it to be um, of course. Um, you know, play safe and stuff like that. Uh, that goes without saying, be responsible as well. I uh, don't want to promote irresponsible gambling and things like that. Uh, so keep it keep it in check. Just It's important to know the level you're at. But that's exactly what I'm saying. You know where you're at. And you have to be honest with yourself um, when it comes to your poker skills and poker abilities and what it is to you. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, so just interesting enough. So yeah, Bellagio has not put out theirs yet. So they have a few that haven't put out. I don't know what reason it is. Maybe they were typically later. Now, Bellagio one does start later. I want to be clear on that. That one does typically start later. And I think it has a WPT event in there too, I think. Yeah, the Bellagio uh, Five Diamond. Um, so there you go. Um, yeah, is just... Hey, they're not even putting out. So we'll see how this kind of shapes out. Um, going into May here is going to be very interesting, I believe, in terms of kind of indicating how the summer is going to shape up uh, and uh, and kind of be looking. It's um, it's just it's interesting times. And uh, I can see where schedule can just quickly emerge. As I said, Planet Hollywood their schedule could emerge right away. Um, Aria, I guess, same kind of thing. Like Bellagio, all these things. But it's just interesting that they haven't put out yet. Um, so they haven't put out. Nothing's been officially canceled yet for the summer. Uh, so that's the good news, right? We just, but as of right now, there's no reason to think we're on either side of that fence, in my opinion. Where I want to kind of dive back to things is the, um, the Galphon Challenge produces an interesting opportunity in online high stakes heads up poker uh where in turn you could start kind of having more of these challenges and you could see the opportunity for sites to maybe do it i know gg poker is kind of one of the is trying to really push a place in the market space right now they've paired up with the wsop right now um to include um, for an international online series, uh, which will be interesting. And hopefully now that means it's going to be like open to Canadians uh, because whilst, whilst they've had this WSOP super circuit um, events for the United States, 
us up here in Canada can't play it. It's not even available to everybody in the States. You have to be a resident and currently in one of, you know, three states. Um, so this will be kind of interesting. Uh, WSOP Online Super Series of uh, Circuit Rings. That would be fucking great. I'd love to see something like that. That would be super cool. Um, and just to get more information. But GG Poker has become the partner there. So the online poker world is, is, is really kind of going to go, in my opinion, that's where you could see some interesting things happening. Uh, I don't know much about GG Poker. I don't know. I've never been on their site. I'm not familiar with their interface, uh, any of that. So I'd have to look more into that. But again, a spot there. Maybe GG Poker now through carving that out, they look at what Run It Once has done with this Galphon challenge. Having two big name brand ambassadors there in terms of Daniel Negreanu and the recently signed, I think it was just yesterday, uh, Bertrand Elki uh, Gropelier uh, for the French uh, French pronunciation, but uh, Elki uh, Gropelier is uh, their newest one. Uh, Elki's a very accomplished player, online, live, very respected um, player, very respected player, and um, truly just a gem. An absolute gem. I uh, super awesome guy, like super awesome guy. Even people I know down in Vegas in the community that play that deal and and, and supervise and stuff. And when anything they have to say about Elky, super positive as well. Like they say he's one of the good ones. Um, so uh, good for Elky because he was let go by Poker Stars um, and a very disappointing move there. Um. And I thought, you know, that's that, that's tough to see. But good for Elki. I'm really happy for him to find a spot there in GG Poker. Uh, so, again, good for Elki. Uh, you could see situations there. If they bring on some more kind of higher profile free agents in the online world and guys that want to do this, there could be an opportunity there to see more challenge type things um, play out. Maybe it's heads up, um, sit and go style. I don't know. But that kind of gets me into this whole online challenge thing. And, and when you look at it kind of... You know, at first you might look at the Galvan and be like, wow, what, what the fuck is the need for this? And this is kind of weird. Like, why not just play heads up and decide when it's over? So there's so many things that go into it for any player. If you're going to issue a heads up challenge, accept the heads up challenge, get into heads up challenges, is you really need to know the structure and what you're kind of playing for. You know what level of player you are. You know where you're at. Okay, like I think if you're a professional player, you can be honest with yourself and know where you're at. Um, and you should be. That That's like rule number one. Um, know where you're fucking at. Uh, that, that's the biggest thing. And even if you're a rec player, nothing wrong with being a rec player, an occasional player, whatever the heck you want to be. Just, I mean, understand where you are as a player. So in turn, when you know the player that you are and the type of, you know, and where you're at... You kind of know the stakes you can play, the challenges you can accept, the challenges that are kind of worthwhile and interesting to see. Um, the highest level of player versus someone that's way below them isn't going to be as interesting a challenge to see because you do kind of imagine it's a slaughtering. And, and you don't want to be a part of that. And I don't want to watch that. But you know where you're at. Um, so you kind of have to set in, if you're at the highest levels, you need to set a stakes level that's going to keep your interest, but is also going to weed out potentially... Um, players that aren't quite at that level yet and i and i, and I don't know how to say that nicely um but yeah you, you don't want to just be opening up the challenge to anybody like phil galphon's not going to open it up to everybody on the stream and be like hey you know to promote my you know necessarily in terms of proving where he's at as a player and his skill level yeah there's a marketing ploy there to do maybe a challenge where it's like hey play the hundred dollar sit and goes against phil galphon sure 
Um, but that's a different purpose. When you're looking at like more of a skill measurement, you know, pro versus pro heads up challenge, you need to structure it in a way. The other thing you kind of need to worry about is that variance of hands is you will go through periods of getting crap hands. So rather than forcing action and making it tournament style when you're playing more of a cash style heads up challenge, you need to eliminate a certain amount of variance. Um, and how you do that is longevity. Uh, so you make the challenge longer so that variance doesn't really favor one side or the other. You each have your opportunity. Enough good hands should come around. Enough playable hands. So you're not forcing action and you can make laydowns and, you know, fine, you get the blinds for the next four fucking hands. All right, here's a hand worth fucking playing, right? Um, the other thing, too, is it's Pot Limit Omaha. There's more hands. You're probably playing in general in Pot Limit Omaha. Um, a little more action. It's a, it's a more action-structured game than No Limit Hold'em. Uh, so No Limit Hold'em, again, in itself there you uh, run into the issue of boredom and just fucking shit, I'm not getting good hands at all. So you have to eliminate that. And that was kind of like with the dirt challenge when he had issued it out. It has to be, you know, X amount of dollars or buy-ins or hands. And uh, you have to be up by X amount, whatever. I get that. I get that aspect of it. You need to have that. Um, and again, it's not necessarily a tournament style. It's not a sit and go style. Like let's just play a 25K sit and go as well. That's not what they've structured it as. But you could do that. But again, in there, you need to know what kind of structure is it going to be? Is it going to be a true? Is it going to be a deeper stack? Is it going to be a turbo style? Is it going to be a hyper turbo? And I hate using these these words, but these are the descriptive words for tournaments. Um, even though I have my issues, um, but those are for me, and we can talk about that in another episode. Uh, anyway, when uh, you even that needs to be structured, so you need to know what you're playing for. And I keep saying that's the biggest thing. And I like this in a way because it's shown like, yes, depending on the opponent, that's what we're going to settle up and decide on how, it, you know, the structure we're going to come up with. Uh, but it could allow for some very interesting opportunities to see a lot more cross matchups like this. And, and if there was a host site, maybe a GG poker gets involved, right? And, um, and I mean, if you're listening to my podcast, especially for the poker content, I imagine you are well-versed in the poker community, right? So that's where you would see, you know, especially, you know, a few years ago, you could have seen, for instance, maybe a Luke Schwartz versus... Doug Polk in an online matchup. You might have seen Tom Dwan versus Doug Polk heads up. You know, Phil Helmuth versus Phil Ivy heads up. You know, all of these things. Jungle Man Cates versus the fucking world. You know, Olivier Bousquet versus um, these guys. Um, and, and, you know, you could have done it for different stakes of players, right? Had like the, you know, and, and done it. And there's, there's opportunity to do this. You know, and, and since I don't do not operate a poker website, that's why I'm throwing this idea out there. Um, uh, I'd love to be organized as a tournament director, though. I'd love to be uh, maybe uh, that. Uh, so keep that in mind. Keep the dude Sunny D in mind for that. Uh, if you did want to have some kind of online uh, heads up style thing, but that could be something as well that we want to see, right? A heads up style, high stakes tournament series. That could be fucking wicked. You know, especially across games, maybe, you know, you, you have it, you know, have a mixed game one, have, you know, No Limit Hold'em, Pot Limit Omaha, you know, oh, oh, uh, you know, 08, Stud 8, Stud, Raz, you go through them all, that would be fucking wicked. And that could be something that you look to replace uh, moving forward uh, throughout the summer. And I mean, there's a bit of a thing that, you know, some people think in the poker community as well about these high stakes things it's like, well, it's not open to everybody. 
I want to be frank and honest when I say this. If you're good enough to be playing in those games, you're good enough to find a way to get the money. Like, you will find backers. You will have made the money. Like, if you're good enough to play in those games, you're good enough to have made the money and have acquired the money to to play those games. You know, so that's the other side of it, too. Um, it, it's open to the right player. And that's kind of what you need to do there, too, is the 25K NBC Heads Up, which was my favorite tournament of all time, wasn't open to everybody. It was invitation-only tournament. And it was recognized top-of-the-field brand-name players. Yeah, there was qualifiers. Like, there was an online qualifier every year, two online qualifiers every year. Fucking A, I like it. I think Caesars Palace itself might have held a tournament or two um, that let people buy. You know, you buy in, you have to win your way. Cool. Again, I'm all for that. But no, you can just have anybody show up with 25K. You weren't having your hobbyist high roller come in and be like, hey, fuck yeah, I want to play this event. No. There was a certain quality standard you wanted to meet. And I think if you're good enough to play in these games, you'll find yourself in these games. Uh, but it's just it gives us something to watch. And it's more so from a spectator standpoint what it gives us something to be excited for. I think uh, moving forward too, we've seen a lot of things um, on the various online sites. Uh, PokerStars has their Micro Millions coming up. They have their Turbo Series, I think, going on right now. I don't know if there's an event yesterday or today I wanted to play. But nonetheless... Um, a lot more games there, a lot more tournament series there. They have that biggest um, Sunday Millions ever uh, just a little while ago. So online poker's around, and it's probably doing, in a way, it's in a much healthier place than it was a year ago. Maybe. Uh, I don't know, but that'll be, I think that's going to be the story is, are we going to see another online poker boom? How do we feel about that? How do you change the game of poker now? Like, how do you make online poker something that you know you can engage and make you know feel more person to person eliminate some of that variance eliminate bots right do you do it where it's a system where you have to be webcammed in right like are you webcammed in where it's like okay you have a video feed so you see your opponent so you know you know you can get a read that would be interesting again that's a logistics and infrastructure system um setup but that would be something to look into as well in the future of online especially heads up you know you Heads up poker um, to me is like the healthiest form. It's its purest form of fucking poker. Um, like I, I I consider myself, yeah, a bit of a heads up like, like geek. Um, that to me is the purest form of fucking poker. I think that like to me that's the purest form of competition. Heads up. You versus me and we will figure out who's better. I can beat you. You can beat me. Whatever. Let's just do it. To me, I love heads up poker and I love it across any of the games I play. Um, I just fucking love heads up. So, uh, and that'll be something interesting. And it'll be hard, man. Maybe, you know, to find heads up games live again. I know. But maybe now coming out of this, you start seeing those heads up tournaments reemerge um, because of maybe the influx of heads up poker. But again, it's, people get drawn to the ring games and I get it because there's the strategies involved and whatnot, um, you know, and the solvers and all that mess uh, and all the fancy poker terminology. But nonetheless, Exciting enough stuff and enough to talk about in poker today that I figured let's get back into the podcast with some poker talk, uh, some commentary on what's going on. But I do thank you all so much for tuning in uh, to this episode and for the continued and growing support uh, here on the Seems Legit podcast. Uh, Really does mean the world uh, to me. Uh, And I mean, as that song says, that was on the Disney sing-along that Littlefoot uh, had me watch yesterday. Or I should say maybe I had her watch. Who am I kidding? 
um, uh, that we watched uh, yesterday, you know, that we're all in this together. We, we really are, and we all kind of need to do our part here. Uh, but anyway, I thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the Dude Sunny D. Take care and bye-bye for now.